0: Welcome to the United Pubcast, episode 75, and while the world might be on hold, we certainly are not. It's Larry here speaking, and again, we're changing it up a little bit. As the world changes, we change. Isn't that right,
1: Tom? Nothing changes for me, mate. Nothing changes at all for me.
0: Well, we'll try and talk about some football. Um, While the the on-the-pitch action has stopped, some things are developing off it. Let's start with Jack Grealish. We've seen um, Manu Lonjon, who's apparently worked with uh, Fabrizio Romano in the past. I can't confirm that. Um, I'm going off yourself. But a reliable journalist, nonetheless, um, claims that United are close to finalizing a deal. What are your thoughts, Um, considering, you know, we saw the off-field scenario that happened a couple of weeks ago, uh, where he's (laughs) hit a couple of cars and broken his isolation. Do you expect this to happen?
1: I'd say it's a lot more likely. A lot of people are saying, the Jaden Sancho one is the likely deal. However, I think that's dependent on so many different factors. But I think the Jack Grealish deal is the most likely. Just for the fact that, look, Aston Villa are still a big club, but their Premier League status is very much up in the air. If they get relegated, I think it's nailed on that he moves to United. But even if they stay up, you don't know what a club like Aston Villa, the effect financially they'll have after this pandemic. I think there will be... Kind of easily bullied and by United because United won't be short of cash. Okay, it will affect United a little bit, but um, Aston Villa, regardless of their situation, will want to cash in on a big player, um, regardless if they're in the Premier League or not. So, my money would be on Jack Grealish signing, um, or especially leaving. Hopefully, it's to United because I do like the player. But um, in regards to this report, again. I'm just—you said you're going off me that he's a reliable journalist. I'm just going off Twitter. He's a reliable journalist, so the odds are that he's not a reliable journalist. Who knows? But um, I, I don't know. It just it f- feels so just paper filling, like it's a column filler. This bit of news that they sort of reported that United are close to finalising a deal. Really, what does that mean? Okay, they're definitely Jack Grealish probably very happy to agree terms with United. Aston Villa don't know their situation, though. So I think a lot will depend on um, how the season finishes and United then going into trying to try and agree a price for um, the play. Because I'm sure the player will definitely want to go. Um, the only sticking point will be what sort of fee Villa um, want for the player.
0: Well, I definitely agree with you there. I think it's a deal that will happen and United can do. But obviously, we're talking about the, this whole virus and we don't know what the impacts are going to be. Do you think the way that, you know, re- whether they get relegated or not, do you ultimately believe it could be just Aston Villa waiting game to see what happens? Naturally, if you're United, you'd think you want to wait as well because if you get Aston Villa relegated, he would naturally go on a
1: cheap. Yeah, no, 100. Well, it almost it sort of suits United to get relegated or it's for Aston Villa to get rele- relegated from United point of view. But um, I just think... That type of club, in terms of where United are currently sitting and won't be, you'd think they won't be too heavily affected by this, especially compared to other clubs. I think regardless of the situation, United can and you can argue the moral side of things if it's rightly or wrongly, but they should go in and bully a club like Aston Villa. If we want to get to where we want to go, we need to say, okay, he's the player we want, we're going to take him, We don't care what how that bad how badly that's going to affect you. He's the player we want, we're going to take him. and it just it looks nailed on to me um, far more so than the Jaden Sancho thing because I think that's dependent on so many different factors. Where I think this is just dependent on um, how much money Aston Villa not so much want but how much money they need um, after this um, global pandemic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think he'll definitely fit the system. My only concern would be. Like we we just don't know what's going to happen with Pogba as well, and I think that that's a really big factor to consider in all of this. I mean, you'd think if United are getting Grealish, it comes with a you're going to be starting. If we keep Pogba, which to be honest is looking more and more likely, and I know we'll get we'll get to Pogba. Um, in an unrelated topic, but do you see him coming in and even being happy to be a squad player if Pogba does in fact stay?
1: Well, yeah, you're right. Everything will come sort of back to Pogba for a number of different reasons, I and mean, we will get into Pogba. And, yeah, I cast my mind back two minutes ago where I put all these points forward, why I sort of want Jack Grealish and why I think he fits in. However, now when you add Pogba or continue Pogba into the mix, yeah, maybe he doesn't fit in, and it adds another sort of dilemma. However, it's a dilemma we've always sort of... You always turn your nose up at you, so we don't need that competition for places. But you look at... I remember watching... Teams like Real Madrid, where they won those three Champions League in a row. Their bench was full of 50, 60, 70 million pound players. Our bench in the past has been full of, you know, Jesse Lingard, Andres Pereira, Juan Matra, etc. And players who I think are good footballers. But they're not 50, 60, 70 million pound players. And to be the best team in the world, to be the best team in the league, you need players like that on the bench. Um, They're going to be pissed off, and rightly so. But it's the only way you succeed. And where so often we have a great start in eleven. Then you look past it and you think, okay, they're good players, but are they good players where, okay, Pogba has a season-ending injury. Can you have a player who can come in for 30 games and be Paul Pogba? Um, At the moment, we don't have that. Let's say Pogba stays and currently, okay, he gets injured and Jack Grealish comes in. We're not so, okay, Pogba's obviously a better footballer, but you're not not hitting the panic button if Jack Grealish has to step in for 20 or 30 games a season.
0: Spot on, and... That's the biggest problem with United at the moment. It's you look at the starting eleven at the start of the season and you're like, it's not a terrible side. Yeah, it could be stronger. But you just knew as soon as we got an injury, we're in trouble. And we've seen that all the way through. On the topic of Pogba, he can't stay out of the news, Tom, even if he tried. You've got a you've got a pandemic happening in the world and Paul Pogba's still front of the papers. Um <laughs> he's done a podcast with the Manchester United official podcast. And um, the the host has naturally asked him about the criticism he receives and name drops um, our good friend Graham Soanes. And um, to be fair, I don't think he was disrespectful. Pogba simply said, um, "I hadn't heard of the I haven't heard of him um, previously. I've heard he was a great player." Um, and basically, that was it. He he left it there. Quite a respectful response, in my opinion. Sky Sports typically were wiping their hands together. And in uh, in teaching a respect lesson, we got Jamie Carragher, who knows all about respect, um, albeit spitting on teenage girls and abusing Paul Pogba. And then we have Graham Souness,
1: who says, show me your medals. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, you go back to what you say. Pogba said nothing wrong. and it was, It's very complimentary what Pogba said and 100% correct. Because when you look at it, Paul Pogba was born, what, mid-90s, I'd say... I don't know ninety two, ninety three, or something. Yeah, ninety three. What do you expect a young Frenchman to remember a Scottish player from the seventies and eighties when football wasn't televised as it is now? Like, why would I? Why would Paul Pogba be expected to know who Graeme Souness is if he played for Liverpool? Yes, you'd learn know a little bit about your history, etc and you would know but he doesn't like, I'm sure Paul Pogba knows about Bobby Charlton about George Best etc not having sort of watched them play but he would have known about them he's under no sort of requirement to know who Graeme Souness is and all he said is at the time when he sort of this whole thing became a bit of an internet meme about uh, Pogba and Souness all Pogba said was at the time I didn't know who he was uh, some people have said he's a great player but to be fair I didn't know who he was and that is 100% right I do not expect a young French footballer to know a Scottish footballer from the 70s and 80s. That's just ludicrous. And to see Graeme Souness get sort of... I used it on Twitter. So you could see him get visibly irritated about it. Like, you could see him sort of go red, and I don't know if that was the fact that he was wearing his AirPods upside down, um, a quite uh, impressive feat. But um, (laughs) it was just... I, I, I don't get it. Like, you could go into this whole... where the sort of criticism of Paul Pogba stems from. Yeah, there's very strong cases that there's sort of undertones of racism in terms of the reporting of him. You saw that with Raheem Sterling, etc., where it was was called out with Raheem Sterling, but it hasn't been called out with Paul Pogba. Um, Is there a jealousy thing? You look at Graham Zunis, he shouldn't be jealous because he's got a lot of trophies himself, as he um, quite sort of neatly pointed out. But Paul Pogba's not short of a trophy, and Paul Pogba obviously has the big one in the World Cup. And... um, Look, it was a little bit loaded in terms of the way they delivered it, in terms of Sky Sports and um, Jamie Carragher. Mm. But Graeme Souness needs to let it go because he embarrasses himself. Well, I enjoy watching him get embarrassed, but um, for his own sake, he should let it go because I thought Pogba handled the situation fantastic. I think Graham Souness once again came out looking an absolute idiot, which isn't hard to do because he does it weekly, but yeah, long mate continue.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just really poor form and... To be, look, I don't want to accuse anyone of being racist. I don't have proof. But for me, it just irks of it just irks of jealousy. I mean, I think Paul Pogba's a much better athlete. I admittedly didn't know who Graham Soonis was. And again, I don't mean it in an insulting way. I've just had no obligation to know who he is. Hmm. Therefore, I did not know him until I saw him as a pundit. And if you've seen, if you just go to YouTube and type in Graham Soonis, he oh. was an absolute thug of a player. He. Through elbows like Conor McGregor, mate. He just was all over the shop. And um, when you
1: look at he, he points to the medals and f- okay, fair yeah. play, fantastic. He's won medals. But if you look at the European Cups he won, they're not Champions Leagues like it is now. In when Liverpool were winning those European Cups, it was very, it was very much a like a fancy League Cup. You had to beat one team from Poland and a team from uh, Sweden to get to the final. Like, it wasn't the Champions League as it is now, and yeah, you go back to those highlights, and I don't want to uh, disrespect Souness in terms of what he's achieved, but yeah, you do look at his highlights, and in terms of ability of footballers, he shouldn't be on the same pitch as Paul Pogba. People point to Graeme Souness' achievements and say, oh, he's better than Paul Pogba. Well, no, he's not. Paul Pogba's a hundred times a better footballer. It was just Graeme Souness suited that error. In terms, it was pretty much MMA with a football in the middle of the pitch. Um, <laughs> but Paul Pogba far better player than Graham Souness, and if anyone disagrees, even a Liverpool fans listening to this, you've got rocks in your head because the ability of the players these days is on a different level um, compared to that era where Graham Souness was arguably one of the best in the world.
0: All right, I think we've given Souness enough airtime. Let's focus on let's focus on Pogba. Um, The club seems to be using him a fit with social media lately. He did the podcast with Jesse Lingard not too long ago. He's now done his own podcast, which admittedly was recorded prior to the pandemic, but nonetheless. Um, And in fact, um, was it David May um, during the podcast? Or it might have been, if I've gotten that right, forgive me. uh, Someone's asked him, you know, do you have an ambition to win the Premier League with United? And He kind of gave a respectful answer, but he kind of skirted it. And he said, you know, I just want to focus on this season. Nonetheless, um, we've sort of touched on it when we were speaking on Grealish, but do you expect Pogba to stay? If we're talking about now, is he more likely to go or stay? Where do you think it lands at the moment?
1: Well, I seem to change my opinion daily and not even daily. In this podcast, I probably change my opinion four or five times as well on if he'll stay, you sort of bring up a topic that um, sort of rejogs your memory of another issue, and you think, okay, that'll make him go, or et cetera, that'll make him stay. So for now, I'm thinking he stays, which is probably hypocritical of what I said last week. However, I just think it's from a point of view of, I think the club is becoming more and more confident, and a little bit more brash in terms of their promotion of him and their PR side of things, where I think if they knew deep down that they were going to get rid of him, or that he was likely to leave, I think they would sort of steer away from that and not sort of get get burnt in that respect. But I think it comes down from maybe they've got... You could definitely call it inside knowledge because they're in the game. But they have a hunch that maybe a club like Juventus or Real Madrid, in terms of the financial hit that they potentially will get from this pandemic, won't be in a position, one, to offer the money that United want for him, and also, two, offer the money to Paul Pogba. So I think United probably one of the cl- probably one of the lucky clubs in world football at the moment that should come out of this pandemic relatively strong, especially compared to other clubs. And I think Paul Pogba and Rayola maybe are getting a hint that United are the ones who are going to be able to pay him the most money. And if he's going to be earning 400000 at United compared to three hundred fifty at Juventus or Real Madrid, you can bet your bottom dollar that Rayola's going to keep him at United. Um, it's because he obviously wants the best deal for his client. So at the moment... I think he stays. That could very well change by this time next week or very well change at the end of um, this podcast if you bring up an opinion or two, which changes my mind. But um, I just think the way they're sort of promoting this, and again, you can't sort of judge a club's sort of direction on the way they put a Facebook post out or the way they tweet, but they're dropping a lot of hints in regards to how good will it be when Bruno and Pogba link back up Bruno's been interviewed about four or five times during this lockdown about how excited he is to link up with Pogba. And I don't think the club would be sort of putting that message out there if they knew deep down that he was about to leave. I think that's it just it's a stupid approach, but they keep promoting it. So um, the hunch is that he stays now, um, even though I think Bruno uh, Bruno Fernandez was his replacement. Um, my money for this week is Paul Pogba stays at United. What about you? Yeah, look, I
0: think I agree with you, mate. And also, if you think about, to your point, if the season ended tomorrow, which is every possibility, uh, then you'd look a bit red-faced to be promoting your most marketable player, ultimately. It's what he is, albeit playing seven games this season. And then he leaves, the club would be embarrassed. And they've gotten a PR expert in because they want to look good. Um, And look... That, that's actually a perfect transition into the next topic. Um, we expect United or United and the Premier League, really. They, they've now put a deadline, supposedly, of June 30 to get things rolling again, um, as in to have the season ended by. Um, and naturally, because contracts will expire and then you have the transfer window occurring. So I'm keen to get your opinion on... Do you think this is going to happen? Because um, if I'm being honest... Just the way the UK is at the moment, I just can't see it.
1: yeah look look I'm no doctor, no expert, I have no idea what the next stage in sort of restrictions are going to be or the lifted restrictions. I think they could get it done. I, I think the, the money in the Premier League, their investment, the sort of the measures they could go to to keeping the players safe, I think they could get it done. I just think in terms of no expert on the UK government, I just think the message that will send is a wrong one in terms of the problems their country is currently dealing with. So June 30, that is, to fit those games in by then, I, again, I think they could do it. I just think from a sort of a social perspective, what it will look like, I think they'll fall into too many hurdles. I've seen currently, if any of our listeners are UFC fans, UFC's been trying to put on these events, but the government's starting to step in and say, OK, we know you can put them on, we know everyone can be safe, but we don't want to cross that hurdle. It's just too much hassle, let's just postpone it. So um, I think the Premier League might fall into the same sort of trap and sort of have to find the same hurdles because I think they could be done. I don't know how. um, The strong money is maybe get in a few grounds like Wembley, Arsenal Stadium, um, etc. and have have everyone in and around the same area. But um, again, my money was on Pogba Stain. My money on the season being finished by June 30. um, I wouldn't be counting on that one, no.
0: Yeah, it's, oh look, it's a tricky one. By all means, I'd love to have the football back. But you're just hearing of the pressure on the NHS. You know what? I've watched that much UK television. I'm almost ready to support the NHS because I keep hearing stay home, save lives, support the NHS. And then I remember, hold on, I live in Sydney, not in England. So there you go. But yeah, I'm with you, mate. I just, I can't see it happening as much as I'd love the football to be back. I think it's just on the moral, uh, moral high ground of... You can't be putting more pressure on nurses and doctors to be at football matches when they are currently battling a pandemic and you're having literally nearly in the thousands of people dying every day. Um, So hopefully things can improve in the UK and if football's back, great. But, you know, with my sensible hat on, uh, football has to go on the back burner for the moment. Well, Um,
1: we'll get rid of your sensible hat for a second and uh, deep down, everyone is selfish in their own right. And again, yeah. you've made, made all the right points and I 100% agree. However, just cling on to a little bit of hope, all our listeners. I think I mentioned this on maybe the last podcast or a couple of months ago, that when it returns, because it'll be behind closed doors, it'll be game. I think Sky will take advantage of it, and there will be games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There'll be games every single night. and It'll be like that World Cup feel where football's just back. And again, we got, have a lot of hurdles and a lot of issues to deal with before football returns, and rightly so. But when football returns, that'll just be... It'll be like a month-long party, like that feeling. We will not care who we're playing. Every single game will just feel like a sort of FA Cup final. Um, so I can't wait for that, obviously.
0: Yeah, look, I agree with you. And I think if you just look at what's happening in the UK and even in the world, right, football is something that a lot of us love. It's a major part of our lives. We play the game, we watch the game, and for the most part of our lives. If you can bring people together... And if you can give them that little bit of hope through just putting on a football tournament, then I think that's fantastic. So if it's if it can be done and it doesn't put any extra pressure on the health professionals who are out there doing an outstanding job and being the real heroes, then yeah, by all means, I think, let's get it on. Um, mate, so I just want to then, let's go down into what you have referred to. And you know what I think would be a great opportunity if football does in fact, come back and it is played behind closed doors um the ability of social media interaction uh the way that they could potentially have you know fans coming on uh, because like it's gonna you're not going to have the traditional um pundits in the studio i think that's a real opportunity for them to do that so if we're if i'm i want I to bring that point up because i want to take it back a little bit what do you make of um the the current way that you know obviously we're seeing how sky and everything are. Uh, Bringing players to Sky Sports, interviewing people, so forth. Do you see? Do you think that that's a dynamic that could work? Uh,
1: in what aspect? I, I sort of know the topic you're sort of talking about, but sort of in regards to when football returns, like in terms. Yeah, of, yeah. Do you like,
0: see it, it could be an opportunity to you know get fans more interactive? Possibly, I'm um, just you know ways at which we can lift the community, get them interacting in the football.
1: Well, I think yeah, I sort of know what you mean, but I think. They're doing a good job of that. I don't know when football returns in terms of the coverage. I think that's all sort of very well, I wouldn't say very well implemented at the moment, but mm. it's something they've definitely sort of dipped the toe in the water. They get a lot of YouTubers, et cetera, on their shows. Some of the biggest YouTubers now sort of have regular spots on Sky Sports, et cetera. Um, so I think that's always then something they're always sort of, sort of looking to improve upon, which is good. Um to an extent, I don't think I think it's important not to do it too much. I think that you do need that expert opinion, um, albeit not Graham soonesses. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's doing I think the clubs are doing a good job in terms of now with no football. and we we're both heavily um, interactive on Twitter which a lot of our listeners will be on Twitter. And it's weird because when the football's there, Twitter, which we say all the time, is absolutely a minefield. it's toxic. it's a, it's a horrible place. And that's when the football's on. However, with no football, I don't know if it's a lack of stress levels or no one to really banter anyone about, but everyone's a lot more nice and a lot more positive. And I think, again, maybe a bit of a phase. Um, I'm sure we'll sort of snap out of it some, if this lockdown continues so much longer, people might sort of turn. But um, I think it's a lot more positive. And I think while people are sort of more socially distant from everyone now in terms of the social distancing, it's almost bringing people closer together. A lot of people, one or two guys have sort who of haven't spoken to in a while, given us a call and say, how are you, et cetera. Um, everyone's now hooking up on these Zoom um, phone calls, et cetera, and having catch-ups. Um, I have one on Friday night I'm looking forward to. And that's something you, just, you wouldn't really do um, if you had the option to go and see someone. Um, so again, it might be a bit of a phase, but I think the clubs and people in general are sort of dealing with it quite well. But I think the return to football will be interested in whether they sort of continue this approach or they go back to the old school sort of give the fans a voice every once every month sort of thing.
0: Well, I, for one, definitely hoping that they do give fans a voice. I just think it adds a really good dynamic. Um, I I know I've seen Sky do it with the the full-time Devils guys in the past and Arsenal Fan TV and so forth. I digress. Um, Let's focus on the positives, Tom, because in every tragedy, sometimes there are heroes, and one hero is Marcus Rashford. I think he's been an absolute gent. He's raised over $20 million for the local food banks in Manchester. It means that kids uh, who you know go to school will, have, will be fed, will have access to food and shelter. And he's done some wonderful work. Um, and all the way through this pandemic, I know there's this whole debate on players taking wage cuts. And you know that, for me, that's just a club-by-club basis. But what do you make of the work that Rashford's done? And and like you know, we can tie it into the way he's developed on the pitch. Do you think that there's a tie of just maturing as a man, which has allowed him to produce, you know, season best form, or career best form? I should say.
1: Yeah, no, agree 100%. Now I have sort of two hats. I look at this whole Rashford situation, and, and first of all, as you say, I echo every single thing you said. Perfect. He deserves all the credit in the world. He's doing more than. You see all these politicians that are asking people to help out in this or this way. Rashford is doing more than anyone, and he doesn't have to. People could say, oh, he has the money, he might as well. Well, a lot of people do have the money and aren't doing it. You just look at the politicians and the billionaires um, in England who aren't pinching in. So hats off to Rashford 100%, and I think there definitely is a sort of correspondence in regards to his on-pitch maturity. I think he's maturing off the pitch as well now. So there's definitely, you can tie that in with each other. Now, I don't want to put a damper on it, at all because it's his choice and he's doing fantastic things however he's also on Twitter etc Instagram every day interacted with fans and everyone loves it and I love it as well you have to take a step back and that's not him on Twitter like the way he's he's on there you know sort of eight hours a day you know posting photos and interacting with fans he has a strong PR team behind him now again 100% backrash in terms of what he's doing it's fantastic however he is being pushed and I don't want to say that in a negative way but you look at how United well, a couple of months ago which we just mentioned earlier in the podcast, hired the Neil Ashton for a, sort of a PR spin. Yeah. Rashford has some good people behind him, and th- that's a good thing. you look look at Pogba? Rayola's a bad person behind Pogba. Rashford's obviously surrounded him, um, surrounded himself with very good people doing very good things, and he deserves credit for it. Um, I just hope it isn't sort of a phase, and I don't want to say it's a PR stunt. But I just hope it sort of continues and develops and isn't just you know, he's not, not playing at the moment because he was out injured and he's just sort of keeping his sort of brand in the public eye. Hopefully it's a little bit more and which I which I believe it is. Um, just with my Cinecat. Um I am a little bit sort of standoffish on not not stand in a bad way, but um a little bit hesitant to um see who is actually behind it. But whoever is behind it is doing great things because you just look at, as we've said, like some of the politicians have called out footballers for pay cuts and Rashford out of his back pocket is doing a hell of a lot more than anyone else. So hats off to him.
0: Spot on. Um, and let's finish on a little bit of a positive, well, if you believe reports, that is. I don't know if this is... If Neil Ashton is getting paid to say this, then I think is his spot on the money and Woodward knows exactly what's going on. But if you believe reports, Tom, uh, Mr. Woodward believes he is no longer required to be involved in transfers and has thus released all responsibility from transfers, focusing purely on the commercial and financial side of the business. One, do you believe it? Two, if it's true, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, no, I don't believe it. And it comes back, this whole podcast has been about PR in terms of the negative side of it and the positive side of it. It, Yeah, it comes back, we're talking about individual players and their PR machine. Well, United obviously have a PR machine now and it's to paint Woodward in a good light. And, okay, this podcast, or sorry, this um, report, sorry, is obviously maybe subtly taking a dig at Woodward saying he's no good at transfers. However, it sort of paints Woodward in a good light of him taking a step back and allowing others to take the role. I don't believe it I think from all reports Woodwood and his ego I don't think will allow that I think he'll, he'll he'll maybe deep down know it's the right decision and maybe want to take a step back for the better of the club however I think when figures and names start getting thrown about I think he could definitely throw his weight about and get involved and look hopefully it's true but I'm, but I'm sure I've heard this story maybe two or three times in the past couple of years haven't you?
0: Well, I've, uh, I think I've heard it two or three times in the last three months. Yeah, so like I, don't, I don't
1: know. Like it's it's the stuff you want to hear, but United, again, are getting so many things right off the pitch at the moment. You've seen Harry Maguire was the first into this um, wage cut thing. Who knows who was first? I don't think you don't want it to make it a um, dick measuring contest, but Harry Maguire seemed to be first in there, um, helping with the NHS, encouraging players to take a pay cut. Um, You saw last night United had the NHS lit up at Old Trafford out of the Manchester United sign. You see the great work Marcus Rashford's doing. They've got interaction pretty much every day with players on Google Hangouts or podcasts. They're getting every single thing right off the pitch at the moment. Luckily, there's no football for them to disappoint us with, but (laughs) they get every single thing right off the pitch, and it's great to see. I don't want to criticise it at all. However, I don't know how much of it is the spin they're putting on it in terms of whether it be an individual player's PR machine or whether it be Neil Ashton painting the club and Woodward in a good light. And again, positive press is better than negative. However, it's hard to really see the clearer picture at the moment when there's no football to sort of see results.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I think they're putting this out there in the media to see how the response is. Um, and I believe if they see it's a positive light from fans and positive response, etc., I believe Woodward, even if he is involved, will paint it out as if he's not going forward. I think that's the whole purpose of this. And if you believe the reports around how they were recruiting for this director of football, which we've been waiting three years for and still waiting for, it, the, the issue with people not accepting that role is they believed it was purely just to be a full guy for when things went wrong. Yeah. So let's just wait and see. But... I will say, the Woodwards can have their cake and eat it too if they have a strong transfer window. If you look at who we've been linked to, the fact that football is not being played at the moment, the club has simply no reason to say we didn't have the time to get the deals done. There's no euros, there's no football. Period. At the moment, so if you can't get the players you want in, then I, for me, that's in the. It's indefensible. The only thing is, I think the Sancho deal is 50-50. And I say that because if this pandemic continues, I don't care how rich of a football club you are, you're going to be impacted because no money is coming in. And especially if the season doesn't end, that is a few hundred million dollars or pounds, rather, that won't be coming into the club. On, and on naturally, Centro they though, will have to look at their finances.
1: On Sancho, on though, who do you think, okay, this pandemic goes on for another four months sort of quite seriously, and it really has a financial impact. Who do you think um, it would favour in terms of a Jaden Sancho deal? Do you think it would hurt United more in terms of them spending the money for Sancho, or do you think Dortmund would be in a position where they need money? Maybe they have to accept 50 or 60 million for Sancho. Well, I think it's a balancing act on saying who is affected more, and I think Dortmund. Uh, I don't know how their clubs run. Oh, they're obviously a very well well run club, but there's a potential to say they probably in need of the money in terms of their club model. Oh,
0: it's a hard one, mate, because it, I think it just comes down to how long does this go for?
1: I think United
0: can ride this out for probably another three months. If it goes beyond that, I think we're in trouble, if, especially if we're drawing towards that period where we're looking at the new season coming in. That means that last gasp of the season that would have been paid to the clubs will not be paid by Sky Sports and BT. So that's naturally going to impact our team still. Now, the other issue is if you're Dortmunds, and it does drag on to let's say football worst case scenario, right? Let's say football's not played again till September, October, not this for the rest of 2020. I don't expect that to happen, but let's, you know, let's look down a lens of worst case scenario. If that happens, you have to think the whole economy of not just football, but the world would be impacted. And if that happens, it'll be a case of if United are stronger than Dortmund, which they should be, then yeah, they might need to be forced into selling a player like Sancho. And But it definitely won't be at the $100 million that's being quoted. I'll tell you that now. Yeah. Um, but what is interesting is, and we could, you could do a whole podcast on this. I don't want to digress, but I think what this pandemic could potentially do is correct the football market. I think the Neymar transfer blew it out of the water and made 5 million transfers, 15 million tr- transfers and so forth. Maybe this will give the correction to the market, but we'll wait and see. Anything you want to add before we wrap up?
1: No, I think that's about right, it's, it's, especially what you just said there in terms of yeah, it affecting Dortmund. Like, I think it could become a, a waiting game. I think both teams or both clubs will be affected just the same. However, sort of who budges first, I think who or maybe takes that risk. Will United say, look, let's pounce now and hope the situation doesn't get any worse or do you think Dortmund, or Dortmund might be in a position where they'll say, look, we'll hang on maybe an extra three or four weeks. We'll hold off on selling him and we'll see what the market then looks like. So... It'll definitely be the saga of the summer, or maybe not the summer, whenever the transfer window takes place, it'll definitely be um, the number one story this summer. (laughs) Or or, or maybe Pogba will jump in there, I'm sure. But um, yeah, time will tell.
0: It's FIFA 20. Let's do a Pogba-Sancho swap deal plus cash. I think it's a positive way to end the podcast. Tom, it's been a pleasure joining you again. Before we wrap up, I want to remind all our loyal listeners, first of all, thank you for continuing to listen and support us. We know it's tough times. Hang in there. I'm sure things will get better soon. But if you want to help us out, please uh, give us a review um, on whichever app you're using. If you go to iTunes, just give us a five-star review. It means that more people get eyes on this podcast, they give us a listen. If you want to interact with us, you can find us on the United Pubcast on Twitter. So that's U-T-D Pubcast. Follow Tom at, at TomUFC.com. 8 is that right?
1: Um, you missed an m so tom m u f c
0: Yeah tom m u f c your obsession with matter. I've got the 8 in there I've what? memorized your fifa I think it was if the, you want it, to follow me. it
1: was before then it was back in the um, fifa 96 days when Nicky Butt was running around the midfield number 8
0: oh, I, I stand corrected if you want to follow me at the larry taylor tom been a pleasure mate till the next one
1: No, always mate an absolute pleasure cheers